welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm Sarah Sprickfeiner, senior reporter for Glossy Pop, where I cover the intersections of fashion, beauty, and pop culture. Once a month, I'll be taking over the podcast from Liz Flora to talk to celebrities, influencers, and other guests impacting the culture of the beauty industry. I'm excited to introduce the latest guest of the pop edition of the Glossy Beauty Podcast, Chrisal Lim. Lim is known as one of the earliest fashion bloggers and one of the founding members of the club that defined what a modern influencer is. Today, she has 1.5 million followers on Instagram, and unlike some OG creators who have not continued to grow as new platforms popularize, 2.8 million on TikTok. She's also the founder of Fleur, the popular fragrance brand she helped relaunch in 2022. Its first scent, Missing Person, went viral, which helped catapult the brand to success. It has launched eight more since then. Last week, it launched Father Figure, a fig-based scent, note the pun, with a campaign inspired by Lim's takeaways from her recent divorce. She thinks it might just be the brand's next biggest hit. In our chat, we talk about how she and her team work to keep on top of her presence on a variety of social platforms, her new campaign, which features some of her most inspiring female friends, and the process of creating Fleur's sense. Here's my chat with Chriselle. Chriselle, it is so good to have you on the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Um, I have now known you for, a no- we have known each other for a number of years now. Um, and it has been so fun to watch your journey with Fleur, which it feels like a funny time to tell our listeners that yours and my journey with Fleur started with me DMing you at four in the morning uh, <laughs> one <laughs> one night and saying, I think I know what you're working on. <laughs> yeah. And next thing I knew, we were sitting at uh, the Greenwich Hotel talking about it and smelling lab samples. Yeah. And it's been... What, a year and a half? Yeah, it's been about a year and a half since. It's been quite a journey, and I, I will never forget that day that you messaged me. I'm like, how does she know? But of course, <laughs> you knew. <laughs> that was, yeah, no, that was one of my finer investigative moments. Um, and now, you know, we're going to talk about so many things today. We're going to talk about your journey as a creator and a serial entrepreneur at this point. But just before we get into it, you launched Fleur back then with one cent. How many are we up to now? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, I believe we're on the, oh my God, I should know this. I think we're on the eighth now, but wow. we're going to have to check on that because I've lost count because we've launched so many different categories as well. So sometimes my numbers are wrong, but I think we're, <laughs> we might be more than at eight now. <laughs> <laughs> when, but for, you know, many people know you and knew you as a fashion influencer and a kind of, you know, what's referred to now as like an OG blogger. And before we dig into Fleur, I would love to just, you know, go back on your journey just a little bit, especially for people who might not be as familiar with it as I am. Tell me a little bit of the story of sort of creating the Chriselle Lim influencer that we all know, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I started off, you know, when I was in college and that was just the beginning of the beginning. I think Twitter was around a lot of people, not a lot, but there was a handful of us that had fashion blogs. 
a few of us were on YouTube and I was in college during that time. So I was just really looking for a creative outlet to just share kind of my outfits. And the the industry was just at the tip of what it is now, right? It, it was just starting to become something that people would pay attention to. And back then we never, I never really thought this could be a, a full-time thing. It was really just a hobby, but it's really fascinating just to see how much the industry has evolved and something that I'm really proud of because there's a handful of us that I think really paved the way um, within the fashion and beauty space to really um, have it what it is now. So it's it's really exciting to see all these new creators being able to create amazing mega businesses from it, being able to start their own brand. It's something that I'm, I'm truly proud of. So you went from blog then, you know, later to Instagram, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Years later to TikTok. Am I missing anything in yeah, there? Yeah, well, I actually started off on YouTube. So YouTube was my very first platform. And that's when I, I was actually probably one of the first, or if not the only person that was uploading fashion tutorials on YouTube at the time. Um, and I realized, because I was in college when I was doing that, I realized that I wasn't able to uh, output as many videos as I wanted to. So I started my blog, which was The Chriselle Factor. And those two kind of sim- simultaneously grew together. And from there, I think Instagram, Facebook and Instagram popped up, or Facebook was around. And then Instagram was just beginning and and then obviously TikTok came later in the game. And so I think it's, I've been on all platforms and I think that's what my team and I are really good at is we're, we're able to see something before it actually really becomes something and take full advantage of it. And because I do have, it's not a large team, but it's a small, small team. We're able to really kind of go full in with these platforms um, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. TikTok is an example that really worked out to our benefit. Um, I remember it was, I think it was t- early, early 2020, like right before uh, the world shut down. I was like, okay, there's something here. A lot of these kids are talking about TikTok. There's no one of my age. There's no one in the fashion industry that are on TikTok. Let's go, let's dive in. And that was a really big moment for us because I think we really blew up on TikTok, um, especially during the the pandemic. And yeah, I think it's all about being nimble and being able to adapt to different platforms um, and evolve. It is really interesting. You know, this is not a question I plan to ask you, but it is really interesting to hear you talk about content creation, especially at your level where it's, you know, well over a million followers on multiple platforms as something that is the product of it, of teamwork. You know, like I think people either picture someone alone in their room with a tripod or they picture like a traditional Hollywood celebrity with, you know, dozens of handlers or whatever. Do you mind explaining just a little bit to us like what that current happy medium is for you? Yeah. So for me, I started off alone, right? And that is how it all begins. And I think you have to have a really good understanding of how to do it yourself 
before you bring other people because then when you just rely on other people, you don't really know what works, what doesn't. You don't, I mean, for me, I think editing is one of my favorite things because I just don't have that much time for it anymore. But I used to edit all of my own videos and that I found so much joy and pleasure. And it'll, it was almost like therapy for me where I would just zone out and just edit my videos. Um, but for me now, I, I have a, a small team of, it's a total of five, five of us, including myself, so four other people. Um, but each person is kind of dedicated to a different platform. And because we have multiple platforms, whether it be TikTok or Instagram, um, we are coming back on YouTube. So we're really focusing on that as well. Um, it just allows the right amount of attention that each platform needs. And as you know, um, because you're in the space as well, it takes, even just for one platform, it takes, it's almost like a full-time job once you decide to commit to it, right? You could spend hours and hours on perfecting and making sure one video goes up or, you know, a, a few Instagram posts, yet alone if you're trying to do that for each platform. And I'm not saying that in order to succeed, you need to be on every single platform, but that's how we've always kind of... Um, I think that was our strength. Uh, we, as in my team, we were able to kind of take advantage of all platforms and do do it very well on each platform and adapt each content to the the voice and the style that each platform prefers because each platform is different. Um, and I think that's how we were able to create success um, with all, all of these platforms. And you've always been an early adopter. I mean, you're already on Threads. Mm-hmm. I love Threads. I mean, you do. I think mainly because it's so low lift. I think all these other platforms are incredible, but I think we already have so many platforms where you have to put so much effort into it. Whereas with Threads, kind of going back to the old school, you know, it, I mean, it, it it is an extension of kind of what Twitter was, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. literally write a few words and you just push it out or whether it be a photo. It just feels very natural. It feels very, um, yeah, low lift. And so I think we yeah. need more of those versus things that add more stress into our life. And to be honest, I think the world is craving a bit more of, uh, authenticity, not authenticity in the way that you see TikTok where it just feels like really raw and like real, but you 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 know that there's a lot of work in the editing. So raw and realizing like, oh, I feel like I'm doing this. Let me just post this really quick. And that's how social media was in the early days where it wasn't really about perfecting it. It was just like how you felt and what you're doing at the moment. And so for me personally, I really enjoyed threads for that reason. Like the other day I was at Target and I was like, I'm just going to post that I'm doing my Sunday Target mom shopping and people loved it. They're like, oh my God, I'm at Target too. And so it just, (laughs) it feels very easy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you were saying, it's been a really busy year and a half for Fleur and I was just looking because at your threads page. Flair has a new launch today, which is one of the things I'm so excited to talk to you about. Um, I want to back up a little and just, you know, you launched with a perfume called Missing Person. I was lucky enough to cover the launch of that, write the exclusive interview you. At the time, we talked about it being a very personal fragrance for you, inspired by the story of, not the story, the reality of your separation. Um, 
there have been all these fragrances since then. Many of them have been hits. Many of them have been viral on perfume talk. You went into body care with lotion and body wash. I think candles were pretty recent. Um, and I'm, I'm getting, you know, I've, I'm getting the picture that this fragrance launching today is in some ways for you like the biggest moment since Missing Person. Why is that? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, you know that all of my fragrances have a very personal story tied to it. And that's really why I think Fleur has done exceptionally well since its launch because there's something relatable about my own personal experiences. As you mentioned, Missing Person was about my heartbreak. And yes, the fragrance is beautiful and it's a lovely and it's just universally something, a, a scent that people love. And it did go viral. But I think it was really the story that people were able to relate to of heartbreak. Everyone has missed someone in their life or missed a moment in time. And it's funny because today we are we actually did launch this morning a father figure which is almost like a the new crystal everyone's saying like I love this era of crystal and this is the era that I've been trying to get myself into which is it's the I don't give a fuck era right and it's it's the image that I had of myself as I was going through my divorce. So for those of you that are listening that don't know my story, I was going through my divorce when I acquired Fleur with my business partner. And so the very first fragrance was very reflective of that moment in time, which was going through a very hard time of missing a moment in time that was so important to me. But I would always envision myself of being this badass woman that's on the other side that is just hot and feeling so confident that, you know, that is living, you know, up to her full potential. She's shining bright and she just does not give a fuck. She is, she does not care about what people are saying. She knows that people are talking, they're gossiping, they're talking shit. They, and she does not care because there is a lot of noise out there. And especially in the beginning, in the early stages, I remember being so vulnerable, like, what are people going to think if I if I decide to, uh, you know, decide to not be married anymore? What what are people going to think if I co-parent and I'm not with my girls 24-7? Like, I just care so much about what other people thought. And so I would always envision myself of being that opposite person, which is I'm just owning my situation. And that is what father figure is. And I think it, you know, we just launched it. So it's hard to say if it's gone viral or not. But I think the campaign in itself has gone viral because there has been hundreds and thousands of shares of just kind of these, um, I don't like to use the word memes because I feel like memes are kind of funny, but it's more of like an inspirational quote that's tied to like a very like striking image. And the whole campaign, as I was, as we were preparing for this launch, we, um, I uploaded multiple images and a lot of these images are of, uh, of this like super confident woman, which is me saying like, I think one of the images that went super viral was, um, I am, I am the daddy, I make my money or something like that. And it got so many reposts and there was another one that said, one week they love me, one week they hate me, both weeks I got paid. And and 
And it's just embodying this confident woman. And we were kind of playing off of the word father because, well, I'll get into that in a second, but figure. So it is a fig fragrance. Fig is the biggest note in the sense. So we're playing off of the word figure. And then we tied it with father because when you think of a father, and yes, I am a mother, um, first and foremost. And some people are like, why don't you call it mother figure? And I'm like, Yes, that is, that could have been, but one, father figure just sounds better because the FFs, but also two, there's something about men when they, they just don't care sometimes. You're just like, you know, I always think, okay, if a hot mom was wearing like a hot outfit, all of a sudden they're going to be getting all these like, um, nasty names called it. But men, you see a hot guy and he's like naked. They're, they're, he's just a hot dad at the end of the day. So there's something about being a father, being a father figure that just really resonated with me that embodied kind of the I don't give a fuck mentality. But also my own personal story with father figure is fathering, right? Fathering to me is being able to play both roles. In my personal life, I am mother and I am father, right? Because of course the girls, my daughters have their dad when they're with dad. But when I'm at home by myself, I am both mother and I am both father. I have to do the mother stuff. But I also have to do the father stuff. I have to do, I have to pick up both sides. And another part of that is, um, I am the breadwinner, right? I was a breadwinner and I ended up having to pay alimony, which is a big part of my story. And it's something that I had a hard time with, but I've accepted. Um, and I think I, I feel very empowered that I'm able to do that, right? I'm able to uh, basically pay for my freedom and be able to have the ability to to make the choices that I want to make because of who I am. And, and so I think that people, when I started sharing my story, people were like, Oh, that's so father. And so all of a sudden this word father, um, became very trendy and people started, started calling me father. And so we just played off of that kind of name, father figure. And that's how, that's how it all came out to the launch. It is that's happening right now. So is this, the biggest campaign that you've ever done for Fleur in terms of, and I'll let you explain this, but uh, inviting some of your friends, other inspiring women to be a part of the campaign. Have you done that before? Yeah. So I've never invited my friends or asked my friends to be a part of a campaign. Um, And so, yes, in that sense, it's probably one of our wider, bigger launches just because it was such an important scent for me, um, an important message for me. And so I was thinking, okay, who can I call out of my friends that are fathering, quote unquote fathering, mm-hmm. that are mothers that are just killing it at home, but also killing it in the workplace that are just owning their, their own shit. And so naturally that led to, I think it was five of my friends and a lot of them are entrepreneurs, um, you know, Ami Song, Monica Rose, um, Carrie, founder of Make. Um, yeah, they're, uh, Kelly Sawyer, who's the founder of um, a charity that I, I'm, I feel very passionate about, which is Baby to Baby. 
Um, she helped, she actually helped um, the state take off taxes from diapers, which is so father to me. That's like, it's such a badass thing to do. And so I, I just really thought of women who are just making change and that are just really owning, you know, their own roles, whether it be at home or at work, whatever that looked like. And so, yeah, I, I'm just really proud of, of one, the scent, how it came out, but to the, the campaign around it. And I think what it embodies and the message behind it. Obviously, there's the fun wordplay that you explained of fig and figure, but is there anything else about this scent that, you know, sort of specifically tied to this moment in your life? Like, what I guess, why this scent for this moment and this name, mm-hmm. if that makes sense? Yeah, well, as of a few weeks ago, I'm officially divorced. It took two and a half years. Thank you. Thank you. And it took over two and a half years. And so it, it's, a, it's a process. It, it, it's a long journey that you're signing up for when you decide that this is a journey that you want to go on. And so for me, it was really important that uh, you know, there's little messages about, you know, when you see the campaign where I'm like throwing up the divorce papers and I'm in and I'm in in my suit and I'm just sitting there. I think I uh, in the uh, there's two campaigns, but the other campaign I was holding like a whiskey glass and just like sitting like a man. And for me, it's like I'm owning my life now. I am in control of my life. I'm in control of my narrative. And and it, it it's partially kind of a celebratory moment for me with this campaign as well, because I think with the startup missing person, I was completely on the, on the other side, just beginning kind of this journey of mine. Um, and now 180, it's not 360, because I'll just be back at the same place, I think. So 180, <laughs> we don't want to be back there. <laughs> so going 180, right? It's like, I'm finally on the other side this is a moment that I really want to celebrate um, and embody this new Chriselle, this new era. And I think a lot of women and men, but mostly women because uh, majority of my followers are women, they whether they aspire to feel that way or currently feeling that way, I think that's that is why so many people just resonated with this campaign was I want to get there. I want to feel that way. I want to embody this this power of being able to own my own life and just go for for what I want to do. And I think that that is really the bigger message of um, a father figure. My favorite one, I will tell you, is social media notifications are good. Payment notifications are great. <laughs> did did Was it like, you know... A team working on these were some of these things that were in your head. Yeah, some of them were inspo quotes that we found online. Um, a lot of references from Scarface. I love Scarface. I think it's just like a, it's one of those movies that you will continue to reference. So you'll see like a lot of some of the scenes, you'll see that it was referenced from the movie in itself. Um, and some of these quotes, um, I think are also from Scarface, but others are just like random ones that we came up with or we found that we really loved that felt very empowering. Um, yeah. And, 
And I think there's such a wordplay with father figure. I think it was really fun to do that with the rest of the campaign as well. And there's something about that where people just really loved it. Amazing. There, Yeah, I think it seems to be something that, you know, I'm thinking back on uh, last month's episode with Michaela Nagara and talking to her. I mean, I think when you have this many followers, there is, I don't know from personal experience, but from talking to influencers that it does seem to be almost a process you have to go through of, you know, you, and for you, I know it's been many years long, but initially, you know, you have everyone's eyes on you and an adjustment to that, which maybe is heightened when you're going through a life change, like a separation and a divorce. But it seems that it's maybe something that all creators, and correct me if I'm wrong, but come up against is sort of getting to a place of where can I create my content? And yeah, sure, I have to create content that appeals to an audience, but also, like you said, not give a fuck to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh, as creators as well, you know, you know kind of what works for you and you're like, okay, should I do just like more of that because I know it'll get the likes or it will perform well. But I think that also gets really exhausting because you're just trying to please people and you're just trying to give a lot of the sameness, a lot of um, repetitive things that you've already done a million times. And as a creator, a creative, that that's really hard to swallow because for me, I always want to continue to push my limits, do different things. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I think with this campaign, it allowed us to do something, what we've always loved to do. My team and I, um, we've been working together. Majority of my team has been with me for pretty much the entire decade. Uh, We've been all working together for a very long time. And so we just get each other. But we really started off with more so highly produced things. We, We love creating a good, strong campaign with, you know, something that doesn't feel organic, right? But then obviously we had to adapt to um, the times and give what people also wanted, but also still be creative and still create things that would get our creative juices flowing. And so I think we were able to do that with the father figure and not only was it something that was produced beautifully and something that we want to do as creatives, but it also resonated really well with the mass, with the majority of people um, outside, not just my followers, but it got um, pretty viral in a sense where a lot of people that I didn't know that were following or that aren't even following me were actually sharing it as well. And so that makes me really happy because you, you know that you don't always have to give people what you think they want, because sometimes they don't know what they want. You have to create it and serve it to them. And that takes a certain amount of risk to be able to do things outside of the box. And yeah, it doesn't work every single time. But when it does, you're like, oh, okay, like I, I'm getting rewarded. I, I'm not rewarded, but I'm I'm still able to to keep that creativity in me and not, you know, just do what everyone else is doing. So I think that it's been... Um, just like an enjoyable process for my entire team and also seeing the fun results as well. I think that, you know, talking about the risk taking definitely echoes probably the journey of being a founder and being an entrepreneur. And like, you know, you couldn't know what would happen when you came out with missing person. What have been some of the, you know, 
starting from, yes, that that fragrance, that personal journey, what have been some of the big moments of the past year and a half that we kind of have skipped over in between starting from talking about missing person to going to father figure today? Because I know there have been there's been a lot that has happened for the brand. Yeah. I mean, Missing Person was a huge, huge hit for the brand. And it was, I, I couldn't have dreamt of a better way to launch the brand because overnight there were so many eyeballs and so many people that were interested in Fleur. And, you know, we were sold out for months. And naturally that kind of uh, float into our other fragrances that we launched because people had that FOMO effect of like, oh, if I can't, if I can't get missing person, then I'll get another thing. And let me just get this one just in case it sells out too. And so I'm grateful that that experience happened. But what I've also learned is that you can't really rely on those moments, right? You can't rely on those viral moments. I think as a brand founder, that is a brand's dream for something to go viral like that, um, because it definitely gives you a head start. It gives you kind of that extra push and that extra spotlight But then in order to create a brand of consistency, a brand that that people will respect and will continue to remember is not just that one viral hit. And that's the same thing with creators too, right? There's so many moments when like a TikToker goes viral and that's like their one thing that they will always be remembered for. But you don't want to end your career there. You, that should just be the beginning. And that's how we really viewed Missing Person. And we never allowed that moment to get to our heads, really. I think that moment actually put more pressure on my business partner and I because we're like, okay, how do we continue to deliver this? And how do we continue to uh, bring more newness? And I think that's really important for a new brand is continue to bring constant newness to to the brand um just be and you know you have to also accept that not everything is going to perform as well as your one star did and that's okay but you have to create kind of a family a wide variety um for your 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 customers your followers to continue to support the brand and continue to be interested in the brand i think that's been the biggest challenge is continuing to entreat the customer to come back. Of course, we could always get new customers, but how do we continue to bring the OG customers that bought the missing person to keep coming back? And um, and I think we successfully have done that. I think it's about launching different categories. It's about launching different scents. Not everything is for everyone, but you know, missing person did so well. How do we ex- brand extend the missing person scent into other categories as well? Um, and so we have the missing person candle, the body cream, the, the, um, the hand lotion, uh, the shower gel. And so we really had to kind of flex our, our creative muscles, our marketing muscles as well, uh, to continue this excitement for, for the brand. And I think that's the biggest challenge for, for new brands. Um, but yeah, a year and a half later, here we are launching, um, I, I don't know. For me, I think this is going to be one of the most popular fragrances, uh, uh, close to, if not more, than Missing Person. So, There have been a couple others that have been, you know, just like standouts. What have some of those been? Oh, there's there's a number of them, but I think the immediate one goes to Not Your Baby. Not Your Baby has mm. such a niche, loyal following. There's something about that scent where... 
you either love it or you hate it. <laughs> and the people that love it are like diehards. I know some people that um, that are the Not Your Baby fans. They spray it on their linens. They spray it on their towels. They spray it on their bed sheets. They, they literally spray it everywhere. They just cannot not have Not Your Baby all throughout their house. There's something very addictive about it. And that's actually how we describe the fragrance. It's very milky and addictive. And so people that get it, get it. Um, and Not Your Baby has been phenomenal for us. Um, and there's also Apricot Privé, which is kind of my own personal signature. I don't like to say signature scent because I change this every month, but for me, my most worn scent, um, which was like, a super yummy, woody, juicy, fruity scent um, that also sold out. Um, and and yeah, I mean, we, we keep having these moments. And look, not everything hits the way that it, it, it hit with missing person. But for us, we just look at it. Uh, do they keep coming back? Because they use it so much, they keep repurchasing. Um, and we have those all the time. And so we we continuously think, okay, how can we bring more of different categories for, you know, Apricot Privé, Not Your Baby. Um, what else? What else do I have here? Um, Tangerine Boy, Tangerine Boy Solar Power. Those are huge hits as well. So you hit on sort of like, you know, sometimes things hit, sometimes things don't hit. Uh, virality can help, but it's not everything. One thing that you and I have spent time talking about before, you know, is the power of creating a brand when you already have a platform. Um, But then I think something that, you know, I think is so cool about you is that when, when, when Fleur relaunched, because just if our listeners don't know, Fleur had been uh, an existing clean fragrance brand and Chriselle and her business partner relaunched it. And you can read all about that uh, on Glossy and a number of stories. But if someone had said to me, Chriselle Lim is launching a brand, I might have said, cool, clothing or, or mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Like, how do you think about influencer-founded brands now, especially seeing your own success going sort of against the expectation of what someone might have thought you might do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to be fair, I didn't ever foresee myself being a brand founder of a fragrance company. I think that would be kind of like the last thing that I would ever imagine myself doing. Not because I, I didn't love fragrance. I've always loved fragrance. I've always worn fragrance and appreciated it. But to be a founder is a completely different story, right? And so... For me, when I think about the success of Fleur and how far it's come and also my involvement with Fleur, I think it actually worked out to my benefit because I really think about kind of these ideas and these, whether it be creating fragrances or creating campaigns, I didn't have the typical education or the know-how to's of what a fragrance company does. And it's kind of, I was naive, right? And so I could really only follow and do what I thought was a good idea. <laughs> and it could have been disastrous, right? Like I'm, I'm fully aware of that it could have been disastrous, <laughs> but I think that worked to my benefit because your instincts served you very well. 
when you don't have such high ex not even high just any expectations you kind of lose that fear of like well I don't know if it's gonna work so let's give it a try whereas I think if I had the proper education of like this is how you launch a fragrance brand at ABC this is what you're supposed to do then I think there would be so much added pressure to me but for me I'm like this is what I think is a good idea. I don't know if any other fragrance company has done this before, but I think it's going to work. So let's do it. But if it doesn't, we could try something else. And and I think that naivety really helped me to just go for it and really have no fear because I had really nothing to lose, right? And and also, I think fashion and fragrance do go hand in hand. I think I think because I am a consumer, a fragrance consumer myself, but I'm not, you know, we work with the world's most renowned noses. We collaborate with the best of the best fragrance houses and perfumers. But for me personally, I'm not a nose. I, I'm not an expert like they are. I know how to describe a feeling and an emotion. So I almost have a point of view as a consumer, right? I, that's mm, all I know, yeah. right? Of what yeah. I think could work for myself and my followers and our potential customers. And I think that actually helped because it allowed people to really, I'm able to describe fragrance how they want it to be described for them. And it's not complicated. And, you know, I'm sure there are people out there that look at Fleur or look at me and be like, oh, she knows nothing about it, which could be true. But I think that also helped me to be able to really present Fleur in a very friendly way, in a non-intimidating way. And I think that I think that's the biggest difference with Fleur and a lot of these luxury perfume houses. It, it, it just seems so luxurious and sometimes intimidating um, where you just don't know if it's a good fit for you. Whereas for me, Fleur is for everyone and I want everyone to feel welcome. They want everyone to feel like there is a place for them within the Fleur assortment. And, and I think we've successfully have done that. I think two things. One, I think that's why Perfume Talk has been so successful because you're right, perfume was this really, you know, closed off. I remember being, you know, 22 and first working in beauty and going to previews and there was one agency and they would take the blotter and hold it up to me and ask me if I knew what notes were in it, <laughs> sight unseen. And I remember being like, what? No, of course I don't. Like, I don't know how to smell. And it's funny, 10 years later, I kind of can. But back then, I couldn't at all like smell something and be like, yeah, yeah that's Jasmine, that's tuberose. Exactly. So I think there's a lot to be said for like the democratization of it. And then, you know, I think even, you know, someone could think, oh, Christelle's not a, a fragrance expert, but anyone who does know a little bit about perfume, I'm father figure was um, created by Frank Vocal. He's like one of the most renowned perfumers in the industry what was you know I do wonder like what was that like what is that like collaborating with these people yeah so for me when I when uh my business partner Ben and I decided to acquire Fleur I, I knew one thing I told him and he was you know fully on board with this I'm like we just have to work with the best of the best noses like I want to work with the people that I obsess over, um, Frank Vogel was one of them. You know, a lot of you guys are familiar with Lalabo Santal, and he was the creator of that. And for me, it was like my go-to scent for a very long time before um, Fleur was under my belt. 
And so, you know, Frank has also created a Floria for us, which is such a beautiful, beautiful scent. And it, it, it's the creative process is a little bit different with every, every, everyone, every nose. Um, it's a lot of back and forth. And it usually starts off with, you know, this is what we're missing in the Fleur family. This is what I'm thinking. And I want to evoke this type of feeling, right? This is what I'm currently going through. And this is how I want to feel. For me, again, because I'm not, I know the general like terms. I know the general notes that I, you know, I know what will make something, something more woody or creamy or sweet or fruity, right? But there's so much depth into all of the fragrances, especially Father Figure. It's a, it's a quite complex scent. And so then they will go in and they will create something and then they'll come back and be like, what do you think about this? And then we'll also send our notes back being like, well, this, I smell too much woodiness. Like, can we make it a little bit sweeter? And so a lot of the process is the back and forth, but sometimes, um, like we work with, uh, Jerome Epinette. Um, he did Apricot Privé, Not Your Baby. Um, a lot of him know him from, uh, his Byredo sense. And some, sometimes, some uh, noses will come to us and be like, I have the scent and it's a beautiful fragrance. Like, I want to get your thoughts on it. And sometimes we're like, oh, this is too complex for Fleur or this is too much It's or it's too masculine or whatever it is. And sometimes we're like, oh my God, we need to have this one, right? And then we'll go back and forth from there. So it, it's a true partnership of like, we want our noses to be just as excited. Um, for instance, Jerome uh, Epinet, he created, um, a tangerine boy and tangerine boy. He, I mean, noses usually typically don't wear the own sense that they, they create, mm. but tangerine boy, after he created that became his own signature scent and he was wearing it all the time. So that gets us excited too, right? Like we want yeah. the noses and these perfumers to be so passionate about what they create as well. And so I think there, it's a combination of, of both of, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they lead, sometimes we lead, and then we both collaborate from there. It seems really fun, I have to say. Oh, it's Go my the, favorite thing. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. It's so, okay. So as you step into this new era, which to me, I'm like, you've always been a badass, but that's another story. <laughs> um, you know... Tell and you know your divorce is official. Fleur has um, you know gone into all these new categories. Can you tell us you know just before we reach the end here a little bit about some of what's coming um, for the brand and what people can expect to see? Oh, there. I mean, Father Figure was something that was under wraps for a while, but obviously that's officially launched now. Um, so you could get your hands on Father Figure. Hopefully, it's still available um, when you guys hear this podcast. But besides that, we have a whole new brand category, brand new category that we will be launching this year. And it's something that has been requested over and over and over again. It's a whole different category that I didn't even really think that we would get into, but I'm so, so excited about it. I think this is really going to uh, propel the business in so many different ways, Um and yeah, I think I, I can't really say what it is, but it's 
we're also launching it with brand new scents as well. Even though it's a different category, it's a new sense that you can't actually just get at with Eau de Perfume. Um, and it's only going to be available in this specific category. And um, we have a few other scents that are coming out this year. And yeah, we're just, you know, and we're, we're also working on expanding um, to other countries because that's been the number one request for us. It's like, we need this in Asia. We need this in Australia. So we're, we're working on all of that as well. Well, I can't, I can't wait to see what it is. I, I have my, my ideas, but we can talk about that another time. Um, and thank you so, so much for coming on the pop edition of the Glossy Beauty Podcast, Crystal. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was so good to see you. And yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Liz will be back next week.